Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Hello and welcome to episode three in the leadership series of the Happier at Work podcast. In this week's episode, I speak with Stephen Norton. Stephen also works as a coach and a leadership consultant. Stephen has his own podcast called Good Boss, Bad Boss, and we talk all things leadership, what makes a good manager. Really excited to have this conversation. So welcome, Stephen, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Thanks very much for having me, Aoife. It's great to, great to be here and talking to you again. Uh, my name is Stephen Norton. I'm a leadership coach and consultant. Uh, that's what I spend my time doing is uh, trying to make better leaders so that we can make uh, working life better and brilliant. so people can be happier at work. Okay, brilliant. Ties in nicely with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So just for listeners, this is the second time I'm actually recording it in person. And the last time I was with Adrian Whelan. And it makes such a difference to see someone face to face. So I think that's really great. Um, Stephen, do you want to kind of talk us through a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are? Yeah, so I originally started off in radio, would you believe? That was my, uh, um, I, I seen Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams and I thought, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. um, so I went and I, I got a, a, a part-time job in the local radio station. I went to college and I studied radio and I, I got a job in radio, local radio. But uh, I, I learned then that it wasn't exactly like Good Morning Vietnam. And so I, I kind of got a bit disillusioned and, um, you know, uh, I wasn't happy in work. Uh, so I, I left and I went to the big schmock of Dublin and I uh, got a job in a bank and that was different. Uh, it certainly wasn't so. radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I started enjoying myself in my 20s and uh, but I, I worked for a charity for a year as a bit of an aside and I ended up in the bank though ultimately uh, for 16 years and wow. um, now I, I bopped around a lot. I had kind of, you know, nine different buildings and, and, and several different roles uh, but the common thread for me was people. Um, whether it was radio or working in the charity or working in the bank, uh, the connection with people really mattered to me. So I, I, I realised that kind of in my 30s that actually I needed to pursue working with people and uh, meaningful work with people uh, rather than it coming as a, a byproduct of the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I needed to make that what I was doing. And okay. so I, I went back to college uh, and I re-found the gift of learning. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I would say I was, uh, I was a high potential student with an average attitude when I was in school. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but I really kind of found my love of learning. And I, I think if there was any lesson I take from that is if you uh, are learning something you love, then you will get a love of learning. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. So I really, you know, I studied leadership and strategy and innovation and coaching and I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And and what I do now is I make sure learning is part of uh, in my year. Every year I set aside a, a budget and time so that I can do some learning. And that's served me quite well so far. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my background. Brilliant. Yeah. So we're talking about leadership. This is the second mm. episode in the leadership series uh, oh, sorry, the third episode, actually, in the leadership series. Um, and we're today going to talk about leaders, what makes a, a good leader versus mm. a bad leader. You have a podcast as well yes. called Good Boss, Bad Boss. So I want to drill into that. And yeah. I suppose the difference between a manager and a leader and and what makes a good boss versus a bad boss. So yeah. will we start with the, the difference, I suppose, between a manager and a leader as you see it? 
Yeah, and a, a manager is is about things, and a leader is about people. Uh, that's the that's the basic thing that I would say. A manager, you can have a manager of a workflow that doesn't involve a human. Okay. You know, mm. but you can't have a leader of a workflow that doesn't involve a human. <laughs> yeah. uh, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I can manage the. I can manage my kitchen without anybody else being in it. But I can't be the head chef, you know, and just be a manager. I need to be a leader if I'm going to be a head chef with other chefs underneath me. That's the way I look okay. at it. Okay. So we manage things, we lead people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. And look, there's lots of other things underneath that. You know, you know, managers do planning, but so do leaders do planning. So there's, this is why there's lots of confusion of this, because the crossover is huge. Mm. Um, but does a leader have to do planning? No. A leader can actually be um, somebody who outsources the planning to a, a good manager. <laughs> that could be a good leader. But a manager definitely has to plan. A manager has to budget. A manager has to put structure and organization on things. A leader doesn't necessarily have to do that. Now, usually a leader does have to do that. So it's, it's useful to know that, you know what I mean? As a leader, you don't have to do all that. In, in fact, sometimes the smartest thing to do is not do that stuff that you struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. because you take away from the good bits of your leadership if you if you struggle through things. You're trying to overcompensate in some way for yeah. your weaknesses, basically. Yeah, like, like I always like the the. I know you were talking to Bernard Jackman, um, so I always like the 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 Brian O'Driscoll bit where he talks about the fact that you know what I mean. You were hired for your strengths, yeah. so that's what they want you to play. Mm. You know, so if it's the Brian O'Driscoll sidestep, can you show us that a few times in the game? Yeah, and yeah, don't yeah. don't be worried about you know taking the guy out on the, on the tackle. That's not what we wanted you for. We wanted you for your your strength. So. There's a funny thing, people talk, talk about focusing on gaps, but, but actually if you're not playing to your strengths every day, you're not doing the job they hired you for every day. Yeah, that's a good way. And that kind of ties in as well with um, my thinking. Like I, I love helping organisations to create environments where people can really thrive mm. and to reach their full potential. And something interesting I read recently is about you can have your maximum potential, but... but how often do you work at your maximum potential yeah so and it's about creating those opportunities to work to your maximum potential more often rather than you know yeah i'm working to my average potential at the moment because i'm yeah. trying to work at things that i'm not great at yeah it's 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 a funny thing the 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 idea of being in the performance zone mm. all the time yeah and uh i'm a, i'm a great um, believer in the work of Tony Schwartz and uh, you know he did with how to be excellent at everything I, I really love that stuff okay. but he he talks about you know the the, the performance zone is where we want to be but that you can't actually always be there you have to renew and so sometimes we push people to be in the performance zone all the time and then it looks like at least it looks like that's unattainable because guess what it is mm. but we're constantly wanting people to perform every day every week every year that's not possible. There yeah. has to be some time to renew or else we'll move to the burnout zone. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, before we even get to the burnout zone, we get to the survival zone. That's where we get really panicky. Uh, the burnout zone is, is well after we've actually tried to get ourselves out of the survival zone. But the, this whole idea of that you can stay in the performance zone um, for an extended period of time is, 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 is something that business needs to get away from. We actually need to help people figure out how they actually plan renewal well mm. for their teams so that they can perform at maximum all of the time. 
we cannot stay in a stress situation as an animal. The human animal yeah. can't stay stressed all the time or else heart disease yeah. and all the rest. It's going to manifest itself yeah. physically in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it will. So anybody who thinks they can perform every day like that and there's not going to be a payday where you have to crash at some stage. Nah, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. So I, you know, I'd, I'd implore leaders to think about how are their, how are their teams renewing? Yeah. That's what I'd really love yeah. to see people talk about is is how are you planning renewal and what does that look like? And sometimes people go, oh, but we work hard and we play hard. Actually, you know, nights out on the beer and, and doing things that stress people even more isn't, you know, an anecdote to stress. Other stress isn't good, uh, <laughs> um, you know, antidote to stress. So, you know, true renewal comes from really thinking differently and going to a different place. Yeah. Different so that, place. Would that be like meditation or going for walks, spending time in nature? It can be. That type it can of, be. Yeah. Or is it simply a change from what you're doing? Variety. So not working yeah. to, Variety is to what, you know, your quote unquote, your strengths or whatever, that you're working on something else instead. I mean, the, the, meditation can fit into it. And I've, I've, you know, I'm one of these crazy people who I've taken a floor of people in an open office and I've brought them through a guided meditation. So having me as a leader was always a bit kind of like, oh God, what's he coming up with next? <laughs> yeah. um, but would you believe it works? So sometimes meditation can work. Sometimes variety of work can be all anybody wants, you mm-hmm. know, and, and even people can resist the variety of work. They can say, well, no, this is my work. I wouldn't have anybody else do it. But then when they get released from the attachment to the work, yeah, they actually get freer and they start to think, think better and they really start to kind of thrive in that situation. Yeah, you know, people yeah. just, you know, it's, it's like anything, you know, after 45 minutes, get up and walk around. Even that yeah. is renewal. Yeah, you know? that's it. Simple. And it's interesting what you're saying about full potential and how can people realize their full potential? But at the same time, you can't maintain that ongoing. No, so, no. So it's about knowing well, what that balance is or what that, I'm using a new word instead of balance these days, harmony. So yes. finding the harmony, harmony yeah. between working at that maximum or full potential and and knowing when to kind of take a break or when to that's wind it. things down a bit. There's the old saying, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. But that's actually not true. Life is a series of sprints. Okay. You, you know, you should go through your life in a series of sprints because you do absolutely want to run fast. Yeah. There's a kind of a thrill in it. Yeah. I've run one marathon and that was enough. And I can tell you, if life is a marathon, holy gosh, that's painful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's the top... 3% of people who absolutely ace marathons and all that, the rest of us just get through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to just get through life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to put in such effort to thrive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I, I think if we look at it in smaller chunks and that it's a series of sprints, yeah. that's a much better way of looking at things. Yeah. So are you saying then that thriving is really about kind of giving it your all for a, a period of time or towards a, a particular project or something like yeah. that? That's what thriving is really all about. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- thriving is, is, you know, there's, there's the clarity you need and the mental focus you need for that. If you know, it's, it's like not being able to see a light at the end of the tunnel. If this is a marathon, if this is the constant stress and it's, yeah. it's going to go on for years, well, why not go at, ah, we'll go at 70%. We have to, we'll get there anyway. Like, you know, it's going, it's a long L haul. Let's go at 70%. Yeah. Whereas if I tell you, no, come on, I want you give it, give me a hundred percent for this two months yeah knock it out of the park yeah and i'll reward you by the way i'll reward you after two months i'll really notice that you've done this job for me and do you know what then we'll take a break yeah. we'll take take a bit of time to see what happens yeah now as a leader i'd love to see people do that yeah 
but we, you know, there's That's such not a, how we operate. At the moment, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, quarterly uh, reports that need to be done yeah. and there's a lot of uh, cost-income ratios that need to be satisfied and there's lots of other things that aren't human that are directing our goals these days. Yeah, absolutely. Not humans. And, and is this thriving? Any thoughts on how it relates to strengths and how we work to our strengths at work as well? Yeah, I mean, I... As I say, I, I, I kind of think you should be playing to your strengths every day. Mm. And um, I've, especially in large corporates, I think sometimes you're hired for that strength and then there's the corporate culture can kind of get in and try and shape you a little bit to that corporate culture. And that can be one thing that... Um, and every every organisation has a culture. And in fact, every organisation has multiple cultures. Cultures and people who create cultures, which is the humans in the organization, uh, and we can't create a culture, should I say, the people who would like to create a culture and try and create the environment for a culture to grow need to be conscious that they, they need to create the right role models. And one of those role models is the maverick. And one of those role models is the rebel. And they need okay. to embrace the rebel. Yeah. If they want people to go, it is okay. It really is okay to do think differently here. Yeah. It really is okay to go against the crowd. It really is okay to sit around the board room and go, sorry, I don't get it. Why would we do that? Yeah. It's, it's okay to, to say, uh, no, I don't think this is the right way to do it. Or it's okay to say, this isn't in line with our values as an organization. Tell me why you think it is. Mm. I'd love to hear those kind of rebels yeah. been allowed talk rather yeah. than, my God, if you say that in my meeting room again and undermine me in that way, I'll yeah. give you a smack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we need to, you know, people say, I, my favourite my favorite um, BS term that all companies say is, in this company, it's okay to fail. Yeah. I've yet to see a company where it's okay to fail. Properly fail. Yeah. Properly, properly fail. Yeah. Like as in, God, that, wow, that You're didn't really work, did it? messed up there. But you know what? Fair juice to you for trying. Yeah. And here's, do you know what? It didn't work on that, but I really liked what you did. I really liked how you approached it. So here's another go. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you seen that? Yeah. They talk about fail fast, you know, <sighs> get in, get out quickly. And, but yeah, I don't think I've, I've witnessed it firsthand for sure. No, real, real it's failure short means... term, isn't it? It's all very much, yeah. oh no, this quarter, like you're saying, the quarterly reviews are coming up. So it's, yeah. you know, oh no, we need to, we need to earn more money in the next quarter. So yeah. we need to, where are the sales going to come from? Yeah. That's it. And, and look, you know, I'm, I'm turned into a bit of an Al Hippie in my old age. <laughs> um, but I always wonder how much money is, is enough? How much quarterly profit is enough? You made a billion and a half this year. Is that is that okay? Yeah. Was that good? I think that sounds good to most humans. Yeah. And most normal people would yeah. say a billion and a half is enough. But you'll still go ahead with that cost cutting plan. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And you'll never cut your way out of a problem. By the way, mm. you'll only ever invest your way out of a problem. So th- th- these, th- you know, it, the feedback is really important, mm. and how we deliver feedback is really important. Obviously, critical feedback is the best feedback. It can't be a happy sheet. God, yeah. you're doing great, aren't you? Great girl. Well done. Keep yeah, going, keep going. Yeah. That's not going to help anybody. It actually has to be critical where they're going to go, look, that didn't for, work. Here's a medal for participating. Yeah, you yeah. You know, for just showing up to do your job. You, you know, a good leader will be able to coach somebody so they see what they could do better themselves. Yeah. And so they'll go, well, how, how would you do it differently the next time? Yeah. And then they, they kind of go, well, and if they really kind of go, well, I, I can't see how I could do it differently. Then you're allowed to give them, well, actually, here's three things that I've seen that didn't go well. Okay, great. 
Now that now we're in a dialogue where the person goes, I didn't see that. Yeah. But if I just come in and go, here's three things you did wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. Without letting them reflect first. Yeah. On what they could have done. Exactly. The reflection is really important. Yeah, I was about to say reflection is so key. Mm. And allowing people that space to think about their own performance and how they might have improved. And maybe they'll pick up up on it themselves. Or maybe, like I say, someone else can identify for them. This is how, this is what you've done that I saw. And it could be a blind spot for the individual that they didn't realise actually this this is a pattern of behaviour or this is something that I need to work on as an individual and improve on. You know, a leader does need to be conscious of all these things and how to support people when they're trying, how to create the culture so that that failure is actually an option. Yeah. And failure is okay. Now, repeated failure obviously isn't. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's, that's fine. You, you, as a leader, you're going to have to deal with that too. Yeah. But that's about getting the right people on the bus, yeah. making sure you have the right people on the bus yeah. and uh, moving forward in that way. So, yeah. So I think, well, it would be really interesting to understand what makes a good boss and what makes a bad boss. And when we say boss, are we talking manager or are we talking leader? Yeah, this is the thing. And I deliberately picked boss uh, yeah. when I talk about it, bosses, uh, because when when somebody calls in sick, they'll call their boss. They won't call their leader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and sometimes they'll say manager. I have to call my manager. But uh, when somebody's pointing over in a pub, they'll say, that's my boss. Yeah. They, you know, so boss is still a word we use. And I think leaders, managers forget that boss carries a power of its own. Yeah. The term boss carries a power. When I became a boss of a large team, I didn't realize that. I thought I, I thought I was still me. I didn't realize I took on this whole new persona called mm. the boss. Yeah. And it came to light um, when I was asking people, you know, because I used to do my things, the doctor's rounds. I used to go around the morning, make sure everybody's okay, go around the evening, make sure everybody's okay. Uh, and one morning I went around and said, everything okay? Everything going fine? Yeah, great, great, great. And next thing, a couple of hours later, I found out one of the systems was down. And I went, guys, how long has this been down? And they said, oh, since this morning. And I went, but I walked around here asking, was everything okay? And they were like, yeah, well, we kind of didn't, we're afraid to tell you. And I was like, me? Afraid to tell me, Mr. Open, you know? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, but you're the boss. Yeah. So it was the boss that was walking around. And in their mind and from their perspective, there was this, malevolent being called a boss checking up on things yeah so i thought i was being really uh friendly and and but actually that it's not the same yeah. you know what i mean you have to think of the other person's perspective yeah. so the boss persona is something it's the clothes you put on yeah you are a boss yeah and, and, and it's funny you should say that because i had similar experiences in a couple of different instances where you become the boss or you become the leader and suddenly there's an us and them yeah is that a cultural thing are there some organizations where when you become a boss you're still kind of one of the team and i don't mean under david brent and i'm everyone's friend and i'm your yeah, yeah. your friendager or whatever he calls himself i can't remember <laughs> at the moment um but like are there some companies where that is the case or yeah is it suddenly this shift in i've become a manager now and therefore the dynamic has changed the dynamic has changed it actually has yeah because you are as a manager or as a boss or as a leader you will be making decisions for these people in some situations you will have to that's why they're paying you extra so the dynamic has changed yeah if if you were on the same level and you move up certain things have changed and yeah people even money has changed you're getting paid more what you're getting paid more to do might depend on the job 
um, you're in or, uh, you know, the company you're in, but you are being paid for the book to stop somewhat with you. And therefore you have to take that and make sometimes unpopular decisions or make a call on it. Yeah. Now, of course, we are, you know, you kind of think of, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm a democratic leader or I'm very collaborative and, you know, I'll always work with people. But actually, that's not the type of leader that's needed all the time. Yeah. Sometimes an absolutely command and control need, leader is what's needed. Yeah. You know, it's somebody who goes, OK, we haven't got time. Here's the call. It's on my head. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We Yeah. Like you say, whether it's you don't have time or it's... Uh, yeah a specific context a crisis or whatever it might be and they just need someone to step up and and make a decision rather than farting around and exactly trying to figure out and trying to be diplomatic and and to do that you need to be on a solid foundation yourself you know you can create the boundaries and still make it work i don't believe you have to become a different person who's suddenly uh, aloof yeah i don't believe that yeah i just think you need to set boundaries and a good friend will understand that yeah absolutely um uh, uh, a shallow work friendship won't. Yes. <laughs> and there's, well, there's a couple of things that I wanted to pick up on there. So one of the things you said is about responsibility and responsibility as a manager to to step up to that management position yeah. and to really own it. Like I, I, I'm in business for myself now and I understand the book stops with me. But a lot of people in larger organizations run run the place like there's no consequence to their decisions. Yeah. And I always encourage people when I'm when I'm teaching uh, leadership within companies, I always say to them, I need you to run this team of 15, 20, 30 people like it's your business. Yeah. Now, what decision would you make if it was your business? Yeah. That honestly, at every level, everybody has to make that decision. So what would I do if it was my business? And it works both negatively and positively, or, or should I say it works in both negative and positive situations? Like, so if somebody's swinging the lead and not pulling their weight. Now it's your business. What are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to sit on it and let that behavior persist? Because what you permit, you pers- persists. Yeah. So you need to tackle that. You need to have or a else, conversation. Or, or, or else your business is going to go under. Yeah. Yeah. Your business is going to go under. Or this person over here is a superstar. They are a 10 out of 10 player. What are you doing to grow them now? Yeah. What are you going to do to reward them now? Because if this is your business and you are a small company, they mm. will leave to get a better opportunity. Yeah. Or do you want them to leave into a bitter part of this organization? Exactly, you know, yeah. How are you growing? You have to make the decision as yeah. if it's your business every time. Yeah. You're not a manager of this. You know, th- yeah, they want you to manage the business. But actually, th- that you know, if everybody looked after their little team in a corporation like that, cost-income ratios wouldn't be a problem anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. they'd be run so efficiently. Yeah. Another thing that occurred to me was a conversation that we had in college uh, during the week, and it was around ethics. So we we're talking about ethics, and something that you said about creating boundaries in the workplace. And where I'm going with this is the um, what what we spoke about was a hypothetical scenario where you have privileged information Mm. about some redundancies that are coming up and your friend also confides in you that they are about to get a um, bigger mortgage to buy a bigger Mm. house but you know that they are going to be made redundant so it's you know I was interested to hear what you said about like this is a red card now we're not talking about this because that's separate and that's sort of triggered in my mind about that conversation that we had in work which is really interesting Mm. and it's 
it's the ethics of it and it's your own moral compass I suppose about what you choose to share with whom and what impact what knock-on impact that has on other people as well I I think you know I'd be uh, there's lots of grey but I actually be fairly black and white about this you've taken the shilling to be the leader to be the and part of it is the confidentiality yeah you know and so what people think that their team is the one the people below them and they have a responsibility I have a responsibility to my team people forget that actually if you're a manager you're you're in a management team that's actually your team mm. the people below you have their team and you just happen to be the manager of their team people forget that actually your team is the the, the people who are shoulder to shoulder with you yeah you know? And that's your management team if you're a manager. Yeah. You yeah. know? But the, the the whole point about it is that a manager isn't on a team. And your team is the management team. And a lot of the time you'll see dysfunction in management teams because they don't trust each other. Yeah. And they don't get together enough to trust each other. Yeah. They're actually off doing their own thing. They come together maybe once a week. They nod politely, uh, sometimes sneer negatively, sometimes undermine each other because they're not a team. Yeah. And actually, if you want to create a high performing team, you need to create it at different levels. It's 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 not as simple as creating these kind of linear teams. That's not how it works. Of course, a manager is really important to their team of subordinates. Um, but if you really want to make a team sing, it's at that layer what we call the empowering interface Mm. of management that's where you'll really get impact if if they speak as one unit if they speak as one team if a person in department a looks over at department b and goes wow it's it's really the same experience we get here that manager that leader there Mm. is is totally in tune with my leader and my manager well what we see a lot of the time is that that I, I wish I worked over in that department. Yeah. Their manager looks like they that manager over there tells them loads of things. It's great, really yeah. open and transparent. Yeah. Team bonding is every day. It's connection every day. Yeah. Those managers need to be in contact every day. Yeah. They need to trust each other. They need to know that they have somebody on their team who's got their back. Yeah. On the um on the trust and on the boundaries thing, something that really kind of came through on uh, Tuesday when we we're in college was it, it it doesn't necessarily matter the stance that you take on it so long as you have an understanding that different people have a different take on yeah. the morals of it and so long as you're clear about what your stance is before you enter that situation so that you can be really clear about what yeah. to do because oftentimes when there is an ethical consideration and you don't know what it is that you're going to do the first time you really consider it is when the situation happens Mm -hmm. and then you're in a crisis situation and you make poor decisions. You might panic think. (laughs) Exactly. And you need to be really clear about your boundaries and about what you will will and won't do in certain situations in advance of those situations actually occurring. Yeah, it's good to, you know, I would say a values exercise is one of the most important things you can do as as an organisation. And organisations will have values written on the wall and all that kind of yeah. stuff look Enron had amazing values yes. <laughs> uh, you know that, that, that simple as that the, but did they live those values yeah. that's the thing they're, they're human to human and hiring is really important yeah, hiring I is really totally important agree you need to hire for people who have similar values yeah. not exactly the same and you won't get that anyway because you don't want to create a, a group think situation but people who would make 
the right decision in your opinion? It's well for me. It's having similar values. So defining what those values are <clears throat> at the outset, and hiring, like you say, hiring for those values, hiring people who are, have similar values to yourself mm. as your as an organization, but who have diversity of thought. So yes. congruence of values, yeah, diversity of thought. Yeah, people who can challenge the thinking, whether it's the rebels or the mavericks or or whatever yeah. it is. People who have a different background, maybe a different industry, but they still yes. have the really important values that, that you hold in high esteem. And I suppose I'm still trying to get to, is it, you know, respect and trust? Are they just given? Should they just, you know, should they be form part of our values or just every organization? Or are they really important in every organization? Should they be important in every organization? We have to remember that words are just words as well. They also they also only exist because we agree in general their meaning. Yeah. In general. Yeah. So trust to me might mean one thing yeah. and mean another thing yeah. to you. So you always have to be careful about that so as well. So back it up. Yeah. With, this is what trust, we mean. Trust by... is my highest value. Yeah. So why did you do that? No, no. Trust to this situation. Yeah. Not trust that. That's not. I don't that's need trust, not trust that situation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we so have to be kind of careful about so that. Well, I mean, to me, values, and like you say, they're painted on the walls and they're in email signatures and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. They're pretty meaningless unless it's they're backed up by behavior in work. Values are lived. Mm. Values are lived, are, are witnessed. Yeah. Values are witnessed. Values yeah. are in the stories we hear. Yeah. If you want to find out about a company, hang out at the coffee dock yeah hang out at the water cup. what are the things that That's people are talking about what are they talking about what are the you know when you look at the cultural web that that, that companies have what are the structures that you can see oh well it's here, here's the org chart they gave me but mary over there she if mary doesn't like your idea it's not happening yeah what's the norm around here what's the belief behind that norm what's the value behind that norm so write all you want but observation is your yeah, best key. Yeah, yeah. How are people actually behaving yeah. in certain situations? Um, anyway, in terms of bringing us <laughs> back then to the, to the topic at hand, um, a question, and I've spoken about it on an earlier podcast as well, is around this whole thing of being a boss and progressing through a company. And the only option a lot of the time is to become a manager. Mm. You're really a great technical expert. Therefore you are being promoted to manage other technical yeah. experts. And that seems to be the norm. And it, it shouldn't be, I suppose is, no. is where I'm going with that. And not everyone is a good boss. Not everyone wants to be a boss. And you know, what's the solution? There's and there's a lot of exciting things happening in the world at the moment in terms of how organizations are structuring themselves now, um, which which is kind of cool. Um, uh, Gore-Tex have 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 different ways of, of doing it now. They they've Malcolm Gladwell talks about about that uh, company in terms of they, they only have plant size of one fifty. What they do is they only have uh, one hundred and fifty car spaces. Um, it's a bit car centric, but. Uh, once once people start parking on the lawn, they have they build another plant because they know that actually one fifty is enough of a tribal unit. But in that, within the building itself, nobody has a corner office. Nobody has anything greater than anybody else. Okay. And I do think we need to start taking away the symbols of leadership if we want to get that true servant leadership there. People overestimate their own ability. To yeah. be honest with you, yeah, we're actually all in that average thing, and and. 
there is a lot, a lot of luck in terms of what we get out of it. And a lot of work from other people. So it's stripping stripping out what um, the symbols, I suppose, associated yes, with yeah. being a manager. And therefore people be won't necessarily aspire to be a manager. They, they want to take a different career path. Well, yeah, so to, to, get, to get to that, so, so being, being humble is, is the first thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If you, if you can be humble about, well, look, I, I just managed to get this path. And, yeah. you know, I know we talked before about I'm just fascinated by how people got to where they are, you yeah. know. And I just think it's really interesting and I'm fascinated by people's stories. And if we're humble about that, we can kind of deconstruct leadership to be something different because I can be a leader in a situation. Uh, I can be a leader. I th- there was this brilliant woman. She didn't work directly for me. Um, uh, her, her name was Rachel. And, and I have to say just uh, brilliant because she was this quiet, unassuming person, bank official level. Nothing, you know, kind of like uh, no, no, nothing to, to kind of uh, talk about in terms of kind of like she was, she came in, she did her job and that was fine. But I found out that actually she ran a charity in Romania that helped street kids. Wow. And she used to collect, do you remember that you used to get the tickets and the change would be on the Dublin bus tickets? She used to collect all them so that she could raise money for the charity and, and she would go every year to Romania and, and change people's lives. Yeah. Like literally save people. That's leadership. Yeah. Now in the bank, she wasn't a leader. Yeah. In life, oh my God. Kind of gives me goosebumps thinking of the work she did. Yeah. Like she showed me pictures of kids living in sewers. Yeah. That she would literally save. Now, I mean, she, she's not a leader in the bank. Yeah. My God. Yeah. So our narrow definition of leadership needs to change. And for it to change, we need to look at the whole person, you know. And also going back to the sprint thing, maybe you don't need to be a leader all the time. Yeah. Maybe we can allow people to be leaders for now and then say my life changes and, um, you know, uh, say I, I have a child. Maybe I don't need the hassle of being a leader when when I'm trying to be a good dad. Yeah. And I'm trying to spend a bit more time at home. Um, and by the way, this would obviously solve a lot of other problems as well. You know what I mean? We talk about gender equality and, and the biggest thing is it's, 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 you know, people having to make choices about other things. Maybe I could take a step back and not be a leader for now. Yeah. And maybe somebody else can have a go. Cause, mm. And so now we're developing somebody else. Yeah. And that'd be great. And so organizations need to start thinking differently about that. And, and you know, Gore-Tex are a bit down the way. Um, Frederick Laloux talks about reinventing organizations. And he talks about this idea of teal organizations where you have self-managed teams. Maybe depending on the project, because we're in this kind of gig economy where people work from project to project as well. Maybe depending on the project, you need a different type of leader. Maybe for this project, we need a charismatic leader who's going to really inspire people and set them on a direction. Maybe for this other project, we need an expert, you know, somebody who's absolutely going to give us the guide rails so we don't stray off it. And, you know, they'll know that the right decision to make. So maybe that's the leader we need now. And maybe we don't need happy, clappy, talky Steve as the leader. Maybe he'll make an absolute arse of this. Yeah. You know, so maybe I'll defer to Aoife. No, Aoife, she's, she gets stuck in there and solves the problems. Actually, she'd be the best one to make the calls on this one. Yeah. Because remember, it's where the book stops. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'd rather the book stopped with Aoife on this one. Yeah, yeah. And next project comes around. Hey, this is something that... Actually, Stephen, I'd rather the book stopped with Stephen on this one. Why wouldn't that be okay to do? Yeah. And we self-manage in that way 
a little bit like The Apprentice, who's going to lead this week? <laughs> um, but, but we could, you know, we could. And I, I do think that's the way organizations are going. As people start teaming more, which is you're not part of a team. Yeah. You come together for a purpose, a project, and then you go away. Yeah. Well, who gets to decide who's the leader of that team? Uh, the team does. Yeah. Yeah. The team. Yeah. I was I was going to kind of probe in a little bit about, well, what makes a really good leader and a really effective leader? But I think you've sort of answered it, what you were talking about in relation to, so for this project, we need someone who's an expert, or for this project, we need someone who's really inspiring, or for this project, we need someone who can just make a decision and, and yeah. make things happen. But that's not really how work is organized at the moment. At the moment, no. So it's changing yeah. for the better. And I think, you know, and that would make a huge difference, I believe. Yeah. Um, and if we could pick our own managers or who we want yeah. to follow, that would be amazing. Because then you people would follow the people who are the most inspiring and the people who they view as the best yeah. kind of leaders. Yeah. Absolutely. But at the moment, the way things are done, like what do you think makes a really effective leader? I, I always think of the four imperatives of a leader. The first is inspire trust. Okay. No team, groups now are different to teams. That's a whole other conversation. But no team works well without trust. Trust is the basis of everything. Um, then you need to clarify the purpose. Be very clear with people about what we're trying to achieve. And purpose is a difficult thing to clarify in large organizations because sometimes people are just part of a chain mm. and they kind of go, well, what, you know, I just, I take widgets and I put it from A to B. So what do you mean the purpose? We actually, as leaders need to connect people to the purpose all the time. So what does putting the widget from A to B do? So if you're processing mortgage applications, you're not processing mortgage applications, you're putting people in houses. Yeah. You know, you need to constantly bring purpose. that in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Purpose, clarify the purpose and really... Then align the systems, make the place smooth for people to work well. Because sometimes you you put a team together in an organization and the environment conspires against you. Mm. You know, literally the the systems, the how we do things around here starts to break the people down. And break, yeah. That's insane. So a leader's job is actually to clear the way. You're, you're, that, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're pushing away things that are going to stop. Getting obstacles out of the way. Getting the obstacles yeah. going, okay. yeah. And then unleash the talent. Mm. That is it. That's the four imperatives of a leader. Unleash the talent being the last one, you know. So inspire trust, clarify purpose, align the systems and unleash the talent. Yeah. And, you know, if I can't think of any situation where that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I think I think it works really well. But for me, the big thing is trust. Yeah. You know, building that trust first. Yeah. Is, is, is what a leader needs to be really good at. And we talked about face to face. I know a lot of people work remotely now and different things, but I, nothing I still beats face th- to face. Yeah, nothing beats face to face. And I think that, at least for the initial rapport, yeah, you have to do. Meet, you're going to have to once. Yeah, you're going to have yeah. to do some shoe leather. You're going to have to do some air air miles, perhaps, whatever it is. Um, instead of having phone conversations, have have a video call conversation. You know, I, I really do think that trust is, is the basis of everything and, and it's a little bit like the, the Lencioni, the, the five dysfunctions of a team. Yeah. Trust is at the basis. Then you have your healthy conflict because if I trust you and you trust me, we're not going to fall out. Yeah. I can say, don't buy that, Aoife. Yeah. And you know that I'm not attacking you, I'm attacking the idea. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Fine. that it's not a personal attack. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Um, so trust comes first and then, then we get the commitment to it, then we get the accountability and ultimately yeah. results. 
unfortunately, a lot of companies start with the result they want. Yeah. I want this result. Yeah. Now I'm going to hold you accountable if I don't get it. So are you committed now? <laughs> of course and, I'm committed and, because and, I have to do And it. by the way, if you have anything to say, say it now. <laughs> yeah. Now do you trust me? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we literally turned that on its head. It's, it's completely wrong. And, but trust, you know, we talked about face-to-face. It's important to put a word on that face-to-face because it might sound a bit fluffy. But it is about connection. Mm. And connection is contact points. What is connection? Think of it like a switch. I switch it on, I switch it off. I switch it on, I switch it off. If you broke down as a leader every day how much you connected, and I mean physically were communicating with your staff, I bet you you'd count it on on your two hands at maximum. Now, that's not a lot. Mm. I mean, it's about connection. Trust is built through connection. So you need to be in constant contact not hounding, not micromanaging, for God's sake, no micromanagement. I mean, be available, be having good quality conversations, you know, scheduling time that makes sure you you actually are giving to your staff, giving to the people who are going to, you're you're about to unleash them, remember? You want to make sure they're on the same track as you. Yeah. Because a lot of problems come with, will you do this? Grand. Off they go and do it. Ah, that's not what I meant. Right, well, you didn't communicate properly, did you? Yeah. Yeah. To stop blaming that person. Yeah, yeah. They weren't clear. Blame, yeah, that's yeah. another frustration. But I suppose coming back to, so the kind of four key the, um, ways that a leader can be really, really successful. Like not everyone is going to want to be a leader. No. And not everyone is going to be good at being a leader either. I, I you disagree. I, I you kind of, kind of. Only, only because I'm think because we're having a good conversation. I'm thinking kind of different. Yeah. Uh, I think it all uh, situational is always going to matter. Yeah. You know what I mean. I I've seen people who I wouldn't kind of go. Yeah, they they probably wouldn't make a leader. And next thing, as I say, I've seen them in a different situation, whether it be GAA, okay, or even just with their family, and you kind of go, woof, geez, they're really switched on. Yeah. You know. So I do think everybody has the potential. Yeah. I actually do think everybody has the potential. The desire is completely different. Yeah. And desire changes as per the situation. Yeah. So I might work in a, a software company and leadership over a load of coders. Not interested. Nope. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Couldn't be dealing with them. Yeah. You know, um, I know somebody who had a very high, uh, high ranked job in the airline industry and just went, can't be dealing with these people. Going to get another job where I don't have to deal with people. Okay. And they got an equivalent expert role. Yeah. And that's the thing. You you can be a leader and in a different way by being the expert. This is it. Yeah. And as your career progresses, if you don't want to become, and you know, we've spoken about this before in the podcast, if you don't want to become a manager, there should be options there and there there can be options there. And it's up to individuals to manage their own career and decide. Because I know certainly for me, I saw that as the, this is the path that I should take. Yes. And, and therefore that, you know, that was the option without consideration for, am I actually a good manager? Am I a good leader? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really being honest with yourself about those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like there's, there's a huge amount of stress that comes with managing people. And that's what we think of as a, as a, a leader, you know what I mean? It's to do with the people, but there's, there's other ways to show leadership, I suppose. Um, through what you do as well. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we kind of contribute to everybody's leadership by being a certain type of follower. Yeah. 
So am I going to be a supportive follower? Am I going to be a, a loud follower? Am I going to be the devil's advocate person? Am I going to be the team player? You know, I'm thinking of all the Belvins team roles now, the resource gatherer, the, you know, the, the plant, whatever. Am I going to be, wh- who am I going to be for this person in this situation? Mm. Or am I going to do a leadership contest? Okay. Oh, I'm a leader, so I better be the leader here. Yeah, I better challenge that person for the leadership role kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed experimenting with that. And, and it was noted, I remember um, some people saying, geez, you know, I was kind of surprised in that group you didn't um, step up. I was like, yeah, no, I didn't yeah. feel the need to. I thought everybody was doing great things. Yeah, so. I often think of leaders as almost being the puppet master. So you don't see the puppet master, you see the puppets. Mm. But the yeah. but the leader is actually the person who's orchestrating the entire thing, even yeah. if they're not visible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people talk a lot about extroverts, you know, and introverts. I definitely, it's been a big learning point that leaders aren't extroverts necessarily. Yeah, you know, so it's not it's not related for listeners. I probably have spoken about this before. I'm very much an introvert. I get yeah. my energy from being on my own, and I yeah. do love connecting with people, but I do need. A lot of yeah, downtime, downtime and yeah, yeah, and that's and I need time to process my thoughts as well. Right, I don't just kind of blurt out what I'm thinking. I need time to to process what's going on, as I call it, my cogs are turning in yes, my head, yeah, yeah. and I need time to kind of think and to process things before I can necessarily respond. A lot of the time, um, or at least that's you know that's when my my best work is done. Stephen is very much an extrovert, very kind of outgoing and <laughs> yeah. gregarious and all the, you know, wonderful qualities. Um, but it's but just we're very different, different energy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, the, 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 my high energy extroversion will not work in a huge, huge amount of situations that I actually find myself in right. now as a coach. Yeah. I'm, I'm blown away by the amount of, of leaders who never heard of emotional intelligence, for instance. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and young leaders as well. By the okay. way, this is not this is not kind of like dinosaur leaders we're talking. This is young leaders, and they kind of go, "Tell us more about that." And I'm going, "Really? Okay, well." Wow. And we all actually know what emotional intelligence is intuitively. Yeah. But putting language on it, and and even even the, we we talked a lot about culture here. Even just being able to put language on culture mm. and things like that, because remember, language is how we program ourselves. Language is how we communicate with the external world. Yeah. You know, in, in a lot of ways. So. Being able to have the same language mm. works really well. I yeah. mean, if we truly wanted world peace, we'd be working on working on the same language. That's it, yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah. What I would love to know, Stephen, what makes you happier at work? So I, I, I've been thinking about this uh, to, already today, uh, not because you asked me, but it's a coincidence because as a coach, I go to supervision, a thing called supervision, and it's like the coach's coach. Okay, so we don't just go off and do our thing. We actually have to go and take time to reflect on what we're doing. And I was reflecting on my business and and I, I, you know, what makes me happy in work. You know, I talked about the need to be financially secure is it's kind of one of those basics. But when you're working for yourself, there's a certain amount of panic involved in every situation. So I have a tolerance for financial security. Um, But the two things that really uh, make me happy in work is variety of the work. Um, being able to to go to different businesses and different people and connect with them and hear the stories and and hopefully make a difference. I mean, that's really what it is about for me. I changed my career because I wanted to make a bigger impact on people's working lives. And 
the idea of being able to do that in a variety of different ways, whether it be um, leadership training or coaching or team building or whatever it is, it's just, it's a pure joy to me. Honestly, somebody asked me in a, uh, as I was asking people, you know, what would their dream job be? And everybody had different things, you know, there's a few random things they put out and they, they, they said, well, what's your dream job? And I thought about it and I went, honestly, this, like, yeah. this, having, been able to talk to, share thoughts and ideas with people and been able to hopefully make a difference and, and educate. And I don't want to say, that, that sounds arrogant. It's not like I'm educating, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully passing on other people's amazing yeah. knowledge. It's in, not my knowledge. knowledge. Yes, yeah. yeah that's it's education. not my, I didn't come up with it, like, yeah. but I'm, I'm passing it on, hopefully. And in a way that's, that's interesting and exciting for people. And then the other thing that makes me happy is time. Time in doing the work that I want with the variety and the interest that I want, but time at home. Mm. Time to spend where I want. I really, truly believe that we place value on the wrong currency. The real currency is time. Yeah. Nobody's managed to, 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 uh, to, to solve the immortality thing. So, so count down your time yeah. and be really precious about it. And the more precious and selfish you are about your time and doing it, doing the things you like with your time and spending it with the people you really want to spend it with, you'll soon find you actually start making amazing choices. Mm. You'll start making the right choices about your career. Do I want to spend my time doing this? Yeah. No, change. Yeah. There is no other choice. Mm. Do I want to spend my time with this toxic person in a friendly, you know, there could be a friend who just sucks the living life out of every situation. You know, you're not doing them any favours by enabling their situation either. Yeah. Maybe you just need to move on to another uh, situation. Time, 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 time is yeah. the real currency. Yeah. And we haven't got a lot of it. And people need to really realise that. It can, it can unfortunately be gone in an instant. Yeah. But even in the best case scenario... You've got months, like, start counting in months, not yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, I love And it. that, to me, that knowledge, knowing that time is the gift, mm. and then being able to spend it doing what I love, is honestly the, the, the happiness of the work I do. Great. I love doing it. And if people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect, what's the best way to do that? Yes, so Instagram, uh, at good boss bad boss podcast you'll you'll find uh, me there and um, that's i'm that's the little bit more irreverent me you know you might find some funny things there um the linkedin professional version of me um uh, at linkedin stephen norton you'll you'll find me there and uh, please do connect i love connecting with people um i've uh, you know i always think that networking is 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 how things get done in this country and the world um so please do reach out on linkedin and stephennorton.com you can find uh, plenty of my musings and, and what I do there. So please reach out. As I say, I, I love connecting with new people. And I know we met through a network and uh, yeah. it's been an absolutely beautiful yeah. relationship well, ever since. Through a, through a mutual connection, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, which is it's always great. Always yeah. great. Connections matter and they yeah. pay off. Absolutely. Stephen, I absolutely loved chatting with you today. Thank you so much for making the trip over here. No, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. That was Stephen Norton, all about how to be a good leader. And I wanted to recap on what we discussed today. Here are some of the key things that I picked out from our conversation. It's about playing to your strengths every day. 
performance is a series of sprints, which was an interesting concept. I hadn't heard that before. And we talked specifically about maximum performance and how you can't sustain at maximum performance. You do need to take some time out. So rather than thinking of things as a marathon, think of high performance over short bursts of time. He noted the importance of reflection, and this is something definitely that's come to light for me, especially in the last couple of years, um, taking time to reflect on what you've done and what you could do better. He said the role of a leader is to make unpopular decisions and also to maintain confidentiality towards the company that you work for. As a leadership team, people should be speaking as one unit. We talked as well about boundaries and trust and the kind of the ethics around that as well. And he said the four key things for effective leadership is trust, clarifying the purpose, aligning the systems and unleashing the talent. He also spoke about running a values exercise. And this is definitely, I have to agree with him, something that every organisation should do because values really are not about what you have written on the wall or in your email signatures, values are all about how people behave in the workplace. So understanding how that behavior is perceived is really, really crucial. The really important thing is to have values congruence. So you don't have to have exactly the same values as everyone else. So long as you're living those same behaviors and you're recognizing those behaviors in other people, that's really important. The other important thing to note here is diversity of thought. So bringing in people with diverse backgrounds is really important for building on diversity of thought. He noted as well the importance of human connection and especially face-to-face connection for building that level of trust especially. And ultimately, we can really sum it up with saying that a leader is someone who people want to follow. Thanks so much for listening this far. I really appreciate you listening to the full podcast. If you have any questions or comments, I always love to hear them. You can reach out to me. I'll put details in the show notes. Uh, Stephen's details will also be in the show notes as well. You can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. You can also find me on my website, empowermentcoaching.ie. Thank you for taking the time to share your feedback and your thoughts and any things that you have implemented as a result of listening to the podcast. On next week's show, I speak with Tim Kidd, who is the leader in Cantor Roll Panel in London. Cantor Roll Panel is an organisation I used to work for, and I still remember it as one of the best places I have ever worked. And so I wanted to get Tim's thoughts on leadership and what makes a great leader. So you definitely want to tune in for this one. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.